0: Snuff Production. Hello and welcome to a very special episode, a Valentine's Day edition of Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast where typically Rosie Waterland would give me just the gist of what I need to know about a topic of her choosing. We have switched it up a little bit this week, though, and we have a very special guest gister, the one and only... <gasps> Astro, Astro Batchy, Batchy! giving us just the gist of astrophysics. So
1: definitely what people want to hear us talk with him about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> astrophysics.
0: I'm sure that's the main thing people ask him questions about when they stop him on the street.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, Rosie, we've just finished up our very first interview with a special guest. I know. And it was pretty hard to pay attention to some of the things he was saying because when you're watching him talk, it's almost overwhelming the handsomeness. A very handsome The smooth man. vocals. And um, he wore
1: his glasses today because he knows I like nerdy Matt. Mm-hmm, That's the Matt I like. mm mm-hmm. um, And he's cute and smart and funny.
0: Sure is. But uh, we got to hear some really, really fascinating yes. facts and insights. I what know. was your favourite?
1: Um... That alien predator thing blew my mind. Yeah, right. Mm. So let's just stay tuned for that because that's cray cray.
0: Yeah. And there may be life in the solar system closer than we'd actually expected.
1: Yes. Um, And a whole bunch of other things including, oh, yes, we did ask him a little bit about The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that too. And he's actually really, he very generously answered questions about, bachelor stuff which yes. i didn't think he, i was a bit nervous to ask but then he kept talking so i just kept asking
0: yeah are um, we
1: hard hitting journalists
0: we're sending <laughs> Feels like we're evolving in that direction now, yeah. Because
1: he revealed some stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So I guess uh, we won't really do a X-ray X-ray breaking news news. You see the news this week. You see is that we've got Astro Bachi on board, and I tried to get him to date me. So let's see how that goes. (laughs) So um.
0: Well, there's every possibility it's going to happen because we're all going to be in Adelaide together in a couple of weeks.
1: So. Dr. Matt Agnew, which I kept forgetting to call him, I kept Mm. calling him Astro has a show at the Adelaide Fringe Festival called Dr. Matt Agnew's Guide to Life Beyond Earth. Mm. It starts today, February 14th, Valentine's Day. It goes for nine shows, and you can get tickets at adelaidefringe.com.au. So based on all the crazy interesting stuff you told us today, I highly recommend you go. And he also said he sticks around after to answer all your questions about A certain reality TV. So, (laughs) um, yeah, this is our interview with Astro Batchy. Hope you like it. All right, Jacob, here's our very special guest. (laughs) It's Astro (laughs) Batchy. I mean, I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Matt, uh, Matt, what is it?
2: Agnew. Dr. Matt Agnew. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, thank you for coming on Just The Gist.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here.
1: And, um, Jacob, we are going to get Astro Bachi. I'm sorry, that's I can't rem- I can't remember to use your proper name.
2: That's okay. <laughs> Astro Bachi works. I can work with Astro Bachi.
1: So we are going to get Astro Bachi and me, Rosie, the person who is basically famous for doing bachelor recaps, mm-hmm. to do just the gist of the thing that everybody is dying for the two of us to talk about together. <laughs> we are going to do just the gist. On astrophysics.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's right. Here we are, and we haven't actually done this before, Matt. So you're our very first um, interview victim. So yeah. we're sort of figuring it out as we go along. Um, we'll sort of jump around all over the place with different topics that we're going to ask you. Uh,
1: we attempted to do some research on astrophysics last night and just got really bogged down in existentialism and and philosophical questions about life itself. Mm. And then we just got pissed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be honest, so. that's that's how uh, a lot of scientists approach astrophysics as well. The existential dread creeps in and it's like, well, let's hit the pub.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I was saying to you just before that Oshi, who's a friend of mine, did tell me that often between takes, you would get into some pretty deep existential discussions about the nature of life itself, which wasn't really the time or the place when there's 20 girls mud wrestling for your heart. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it definitely kind of uh, threw me a little bit at times, you know, me and Osh would start peeling back the layers and uh, next thing you're discussing about the ultimate fate of the universe. But yeah, uh, it was it was something that kind of, I guess, a distractions welcome at times, but maybe not at that time.
1: <laughs> okay, so... To start, I want to say that when I was um, giving Jacob recaps of your series of The Bachelor, which, by the way, he never watched an episode, so I would just tell him what happened on the show.
0: Have you listened to the podcast? Uh, I haven't actually. Don't make him admit that he hasn't. Well, you can go back and just (laughs) crawl through the archives. Um, But yeah, I've never seen an episode of The Bachelor whatsoever. So like I said before, this is the first time that I'm hearing your voice or seeing you move. I'm used to just seeing you as a cardboard cutout behind Rosie (laughs) at every episode's recording.
1: Yeah. So Jacob had really no idea about the show or about you. And I would have to explain to him what you did for a living. And so I said, from the way you described it that it sounded to me like to be an astrophysicist is to be a space guesser. So your job is space guessing. And, okay, here's what happened. <laughs> a lot of people got very cranky with me. And a lot of people came to your defence in the comments and were saying things like, how dare you? He studied for a gazillion years and worked really hard and he, he has, he's a doctor for a reason. It's not just space guessing. And um, I said, well, look, I didn't mean it in an offensive way. I just meant that's kind of what it sounds like it is to me. Mm -hmm. So, I guess my first question is, Astro can you please explain to me and give me just the gist of how astrophysics isn't just space guessing?
2: Mm. Um, I actually quite like the term space (laughs) guesser, if I'm honest. I Um, thought you might. (laughs) Yeah, I I think guessing is actually a little bit what science is all about. It's, you're kind of, trying to come up with ideas. We, we don't know how things work. So you are kind of guessing and saying, all right, this is my guess. And now I need to actually test, to see if that guess was a good one or not. And that's, mm. yeah, kind of what the, the, the simplified, the basic understanding of what science is, is all about. So I actually, yeah, quite like <laughs> space guesser for, for what an astrophysicist does. But
1: what about for an astrophysicist? If you have a guess of something and then you have to test whether or not it's a legitimate guess, mm. how do you test philosophical ideas about the nature of the universe?
2: So yes, this is uh, this is very challenging, and this goes into some <laughs> really uh, wild areas of astrophysics. Um, there's a lot of subcategories under the the general astrophysics umbrella, and Fortunately for me, my particular interest, which is planetary science and planets outside our solar system, there's, I guess, a more tangible way to actually test these hypotheses. You can make a guess and say, I think this is a good place to look for a planet like Earth. And yeah. then when we have a telescope, we can actually look there and see if it was a good guess. So the research I did had a yeah more intuitive way to actually test my guess, but in some of the more... Uh, exotic and uh, interesting areas of astrophysics, cosmology, the ultimate um, beginning and fate of the universe. What yeah. these really weird things like dark matter and and dark energy, accelerating the expansion of the universe. These things are, yeah, it's it's really hard to come up with experiments to try and test this. But you do get things like the the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland.
1: Is that the thing that's trying to do the Big Bang, recreate the Big Bang? Correct.
2: That- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I
1: know things. Yeah. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> you were paying attention, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah. So, for, yeah, for some of the really um, crazy things out there and the really complicated physics, the experiments are really, really sophisticated and really, really big and, yeah, they're hard to do and they're hard to analyse the data and they're hard to, yeah, get the results.
1: So, really, I was correct when I said it's all just space guessing. Uh,
2: Yeah, I I really like that. Take that,
1: commenters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, your show coming up at the Adelaide Fringe is a guide to life beyond Earth. So, does that focus on your particular interest, which is planets outside our solar system?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I start, does it focus
1: on aliens?
2: It, it does. It has a lot of fun. Uh, a really large portion of it is on aliens. So
0: um,
2: it does get to the really exciting bit. I lean a little bit on sci-fi, and I'm a little creative with some of my um, discussion points.
1: Any of those aliens from the cast of your series of The
2: Bachelor? <laughs> oh, look, Maybe myself, putting myself through that. but uh, yeah, it's, King of um...
1: diplomatic answers you are, Astro
2: oh, I've had a bit of practice uh, the last 12 months. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's focused on firstly looking within our own solar system, but then expanding into the area of my research, which is when we look for planets outside our solar system, how do we actually do that? what are we looking for and what would we be looking for in terms of life and aliens
1: and what what would we be looking for <laughs>
2: <laughs> well actually uh, funnily enough one of the things we look for could be in its most simplest form be said as alien farts essentially which is Stop um, it. you know this is true <laughs> We look for... the. the you've, side... hit on, you've hit on
1: my lowbrow humour perfectly. Look, Expand
2: on that. I don't think toilet humour is lowbrow at all. I think it's, it's, it says a lot. I love some, uh, some good toilet humour. But, yeah, essentially um, when we're looking for aliens, one of the things we look for is called biosignatures, alien biosignatures. And these are chemicals and elements that essentially nature doesn't want to exist Naturally, it kind of they want to change and and turn into other things. But if we find things like, for example, it could be alien farts, things that these Mm -hmm. aliens are producing that nature doesn't want. Uh, it means that there's some kind of uh, life form producing these in abundance and producing faster than nature wants to remove them. So,
1: how do you find an alien fart? What do you mean when you find one? What does it look like?
2: <laughs> so, when we detect a planet, we can actually learn a bit about the atmosphere based on how the light from its star interacts with the atmosphere of the planet. So, Mm. the light can actually change a little bit. And so what we see is um, we can interpret and try and understand what chemicals are actually in the atmosphere of planets. So it's mm-hmm. really cool to think about that you're looking at a star, it's basically a pin pinpoint on the sky, but you can understand all these really cool things about if there's a planet there, does it have an atmosphere, what's in the atmosphere, and is there anything in the atmosphere that you could, could classify as an alien flatulence, essentially.
1: Wowzers. So like... Honestly, if you can pinpoint a fart on a planet billions of miles away, it kind of makes me feel like I'm not getting away with it when I fart with wild abandoned on planes and think no one can tell.
2: Uh, I was going to say, until you said planes, that's just make sure your dog's around. But yeah, if you're on a plane, you kind of don't have that luxury anymore.
1: I feel like on planes no one can hear. It's probably because I have my noise-cancelling headphones on, so I can't hear it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you just kind of scrunch up your no- nose and point to this person next to you, you can kind of just
1: pass the
0: buck, can't you?
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. So, but- Jacob, maybe you should jump in here, and stop me talking about flatulence.
0: <laughs> well, what have you actually found? I'm really curious to know if you've got any examples of alien farts that you've actually discovered. So... At this stage, we
2: don't have examples of alien farts. Um, at this stage, we're still in the the point of finding planets and finding planets with atmospheres. And we haven't mm-hmm. found anything yet that we're like, that can't be there unless an alien's producing it. Mm. Um, so my research has been finding out really good places for us to look, to mm-hmm. find planets that are similar to Earth and may have these atmospheres and may have the conditions for life to exist. So... A lot of what I'm doing is using um, simulations, using supercomputers to make these guesses that can Mm. then be tested with the next generation of telescopes. Yeah, so
1: that's my question. When you say my research is into X, Y, Z, break it down for me because that all sounds a bit abstract. What is the research? Like what do you actually do? Okay. So when you say I figure out where might be a good place for planets, like good planets... How do you figure
2: that out? So, yeah, what I do and, and what um, science and research is all about is building on what's been done in the past and then doing yeah. something new. So I've taken a bunch of, of ideas about how people in the past have searched for planets and expanded on that. And the way we do it is essentially we simulate planetary systems. So I'll simulate things like the solar system, real ones that we've observed, and say, okay, we've got a star, We've got a planet here and a planet here and they're orbiting and they're this big and they move at this speed and yada, yada, yada. And then I simulate that and say, okay, what if there was an Earth-like
0: planet in this location? Can that exist?
1: Dude, that's impressive. Yeah.
0: And is it sort of like every day you show up to work and it's like today could be the day one of these simulations could work and we could actually find something today?
2: Um, I mean, the simulation's... We can run loads of them. So I've found really uh, a bunch, a handful of really good places to look. The mm. exciting part will be now that next level we're saying, all right, here's a kind of short list of really good candidates. That will go to I've I've designed it for a specific instrument in Switzerland, uh, called mm. uh Espresso. And that will go there and look at other well, basically these stars and these places that I'm saying are really good places to look. And every time they do look, there's a chance you could say, Yeah, this could be the day that they do discover uh, this planet that I've predicted and it's a planet that could be like Earth. Mm-hmm.
1: Wowzers.
2: Yeah. So I don't get so, to do the, the real, you know, eureka moment, so to speak. Right. I, I mm-hmm. get to lay the foundations and pass it off to the next person, which is, yeah, science is very collaborative and, and certainly astrophysics is, because it's quite small, it's, it's a very international collaborative scene. So you, you do have a lot of work with people all over the world.
1: How likely is it, do you think, that we'll find something, like have one of those eureka moments in our lifetime? Mm.
2: I think...
0: Have a space guess. Yeah, have a space let me, guess. let me have a...
2: Yeah, exactly. In science, you're allowed to guess as much as you want. Yeah. Um, I think within our lifetimes, we'll see... So in the next 20 or 30 years, we'll find planets very similar to Earth. Um, so that will be similar size, and it will have an atmosphere that might have some similarities. But I also think within 20 to 30 years, we'll find evidence of life, probably simple, microbial, very basic life, but either ancient life, for example, in Mars, or really simple life in some of the oceans uh, around moons within our own solar system. So I think within 20 or 30 years, certainly within our lifetime, we'll find evidence of life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
1: And when you say simple microbes, is that like little sea monkeys? Like things uh, like that? Even
2: simpler, I think. Oh, um, really? Yeah, sea monkeys, is, you know, as, as much as you won't be having a conversation, they're still quite complex life yeah. forms. So you'll mm. be kind of really microbial, bacterial, microscopic life right. forms. Right, okay. I think this wow. is, yeah, this is very... But that's, yeah. that's
1: technically still aliens.
2: Th- that's Correct? it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So still, still aliens, but they're probably not going to be abducting us anytime soon.
1: How <laughs> likely do you think it is that we will... Um, form like colonies on the moon or Mars, like Trump and Tesla want to do?
2: Um, I think very likely. I think uh, a moon base, um, a moon base sounds so sci-fi. When I, say that, <laughs> I? I think having a, a, a permanent human settlement on the moon is really important, both from a, a research point of view, carrying out low gravity experiments, but mm. also the moon is easier to launch from because the gravity's less. So it'll actually make sense in terms of trying to explore further in our solar system to launch from the moon. Um, ah,
1: right. So all the rocket, you'll, we'll have like a rocket garage there. I
2: think so. Yeah. I think having the yeah. depot on the moon will be quite yeah. quite handy for, for getting to space kind of cheaper. Um, and mm. likewise, I think Mars is a very logical step and having a it's almost kind of like uh, having a redundancy for civilization. If something catastrophic was to happen to Earth, having kind of a backup um, in civilizations, uh, I think, pretty good for us. Uh, you know, we're starting to creep into existential dread territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, having, having us across multiple planets is, uh, I think, really good for us and our continued existence.
1: Well, yeah, because that was one of your questions, Jacob, yeah. when, when we were getting pissed and nervous about life in, in, <laughs> in itself last night. Was um, because
0: things are getting pretty catastrophic here. Yeah, do we actually need a backup? Is that where our focus should be? And also, would you actually board one of the spaceships to go to that colony? We both said flat out no, but how about you? Um, would you sign up?
2: Yeah, I would. I would. I think, um, so there was a lot of uh discussion, it was probably the last five or six years about this whole one way ticket to Mars nonsense, yeah, and that was all mm. just a, a complete and utter scam. Um, any mission that's sent to Mars will be designed to come back, whether or not it's successful in returning is another story. But yeah, assuming the, the trip is designed to be a return, I, I would, yeah, I would put my hand up. I think it'd be, mm-hmm. uh, incredible to do. Um, and you've
1: been trapped in a confined space with a lot of people you don't like, so you could handle it.
2: <laughs> that's it. It was all part <laughs> of you my training. That's yeah. it. Um, so yeah I, I think it would be it would be really good. I think it's really important to to get to Mars. Um it's really challenging to do so because it's obviously really far away. Um so technologically it's really challenging, but exactly what you just highlighted it's it's got a whole psychological element to it as well mm. being trapped in a small confined space where you can't go anywhere with people that yeah, you, hopefully you get along with, but yeah, you're going to be <laughs> in there for at a minimum 6 months, I think uh the kind of best estimates for how long it would take to get a a ship to Mars.
1: Wowzers. Can I ask about um, your training and your career aspirations? Because, I mean, you studied before you studied astrophysics, yeah? Yeah, correct. Engineering, is that right? That's it, yeah. Okay. So how long did you study that for?
2: Um, so I did a double degree engineering science. So that was about five years. And then I worked uh, as a mechanical engineer in the oil and gas industry for about three years.
1: Yeah. And then you decided I want to be a space guesser.
2: Yeah, basically. Um, So
1: when you decided you wanted to do astrophysics, um, academically, was it with a particular job in mind at the end? Because uh, what I don't understand is do astrophysics... Physicists, I mean, do you work at either like NASA or nowhere um, else? I mean, I yeah. can understand where you get jobs.
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of options. I think for me, I went into it... Um somewhat ambitiously down the astronaut path, whether or not that comes to fruition. You wanted
1: to be an astronaut?
2: Uh, Not wanted. I I want to. You still do? absolutely. Stop it. That's what I said last night. I bet
1: he wants to be an astronaut. Um,
2: So whether or not that comes to fruition is another story. It's obviously highly competitive. But, yeah, you do have – you can go into NASA. Um, That's quite challenging for, obviously, non-US citizens. But a lot of their research – a lot of their research departments don't have the same uh, criteria relating to citizenship. So you can research with NASA if you're not an American um, because Uh, it's more to do with astrophysics rather than, you know, defence and aerospace-related technology. Mm. Um, But basically as a researcher, the, the standard places to continue a research career is at universities. So most Australian universities have some sort of astronomy and astrophysics departments. Um, there's also CSIRO do a lot of work and a lot of research related to astrophysics. But also, and it's something that I've actually pivoted into now, um, having a strong quantitative um, science degree is actually really useful across a really broad spectrum of applications within different industries. So, I've actually moved into a data science consultancy.
1: So, that's when everyone was teasing you, saying you really just worked at NAB, right?
2: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Including me. Yeah. Which, I cracked which, a few jokes at your expense. Oh, please. I mean, look, it's there to be... <laughs> But you know, I think, there to but be no I think of. though, everyone,
1: when that story came out, everyone was just picturing you as a bank teller. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think people really understood that you had an actual science-based job. Yeah. A, you know?
0: Like, I think the, you weren't yeah, just in a call centre. That's it. That's it. was.
2: Yeah. There's, um, I think the the alarming thing about that was there was um, a kind of disconnect that science degrees can be applied to a really broad application um, amongst industries, and So the one I'm working in is, as has been highlighted, I'm working uh, applying data science and data analytics to um, the banking and wealth sector, but it can be involved in working with the health sector, it can be working with retail, it can be working with energy um, and science uh, and certainly the scientific method, having this really good grasp of how to take data and interpret data is something that uh, I guess people need to realise that if you do a science degree, there's a lot of opportunities uh, of employment beyond just being in a lab in the darkness, you know, Mm. crunching numbers. There's there's a lot of options and a lot of opportunity.
1: Well, see, Jacob and I studied acting and then creative writing, (laughs) and now we host a podcast. So that's pretty much the only opportunity we had.
0: (laughs) Our dreams came true. (laughs) And so I'm curious to know, What sorts of questions do you typically get asked about your job and the work that you do? And are there any questions that really irk you when people ask them?
2: Um, There's No, there's not really any that irk me. I welcome all questions. There's people who always preface with, oh, this might be a silly question. And and it's Mm. it's really not. And that's why I actually love um, when there's children in the audience because... They don't preface with that. They just say, mm. "What's the sun made of?" And it's yeah. you get to answer these really quite profound fundamental questions that some people don't ask because they they do fear about feeling a bit silly. But there there genuinely is no no questions that irk me. The ones that do come up probably most often. And uh, I mean, I made my bed a little bit here, which is I end my talk about aliens. So logically, Area Fifty One, government conspiracies, uh, yes. all that regularly come up and... Um,
1: do you believe that that's a government conspiracy and that there's an alien autopsy at Area 51?
2: I do not. Categorically, <laughs> I do not. So, I mean, look, <laughs> saying that, I was holding my breath when there was the whole, you know, the internet organised the raid of Area 51 and all that stuff and they were going to charge yeah. it. I was, and then
1: like ten people turned that's up. That's it.
2: I was. They still, all chickened out. Yeah, I was still quietly <laughs> hoping.
0: I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna go, but go on, find out if there is. Yeah, there.
1: let someone else get arrested, but that's I want to know what's in there. Okay, one exactly. day
0: you're gonna have to give me just the gist of that because I have oh, no idea so what you're talking about. Some
1: people online just got together, you know, online and mm. decided if they're not going to tell us what's in there, let's organise a massive protest and just go raid it and kick the door down. And so like a million people, (laughs) it was a Facebook event, so a million people clicked attending. And so Area 51 was like, oh, shit, we're going to, should we get some security guards here or something? And then on the day, like 10 people showed up and nothing really happened. I know. (laughs) Damn it. Good fun.
0: All right, so you've given us carte blanche. We can ask you just about anything. Uh, Yes, yes, correct. Okay. About space. About about space. So the concept of this podcast is giving me or us just the gist of what we need to know, enough information to get through a dinner party. So if we were to start at the very beginning, what would you say is the gist of the Big Bang? Mm -hmm.
2: The gist of the Big Bang is that everything was in a tiny, tiny, tiny space and that rapidly exploded and expanded at an unfathomable rate. And it was all just energy. All the mass didn't exist yet. It was all just mixed into this kind of homogeneous mix of energy and matter. And then that eventually started cooling down, started forming stars, started forming galaxies. And 13.7 billion years later... Um, the hydrogen that's uh, formed started asking questions about its existence.
1: And a week after that, you became the bachelor. <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> um, okay, I have one. What is just the gist of the day when they say our sun's going to explode? Oh, Are we just going to be walking down the street and all of a sudden we're like, hmm, it's hot, and then we're dead?
2: <laughs> okay, um, so the sun um, basically... To create energy, it fuses hydrogen together. So it takes the two smallest, the the smallest element, hydrogen, takes two of them and slams them together, and that releases loads of energy. So that's where the, Uh the energy from the sun comes from. When it runs out of hydrogen, so all of it eventually gets mushed together into helium, when that runs out, that's when the sun changes into what's called a red giant. And this happens, you don't need to worry about existence, this happens in about 4 billion years.
1: Okay, but let's say it happens tomorrow. Okay, if it happens <laughs> tomorrow, happen?
2: it will rapidly expand and it will swallow up Mercury and Venus and it will, unfortunately for us, scorch the Earth and Mars. So, And um, like how
1: how quickly, what would that look like? Would you see it coming or um, would it
2: just... Yeah, you'd see the sun in the sky would, uh, it would become kind of more red rather than yeah. whitish yellow. And it would start growing in size in the sky. It would get quite large. Um, I don't I haven't actually uh, figured out how large it would be, but yeah, you'd certainly see it. And then uh, shortly after, we would um, be incinerated.
1: So it'd be like that scene at the start of Terminator 2, where everyone's just playing at the park, and then it's just like... Poof.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's something that um, I, I'm not sure we'll have to genuinely be concerned by, but yeah, it's good to know these things, right? It's good yeah, to, good to it's be prepared, good to know. yeah, all
1: right. I have a question. In your show coming up at Fringe, people probably are going to want to know. Do you talk about being the bachelor at all? Mm. Is that I mean, because it's hard for you now, like I think you're doing an amazing job of pivoting into being very good at um presenting science in a really engaging and um, uh, accessible way. Um, And you also have a uh, flawless face, so that makes it a lot more engaging also. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of becoming like the hot Neil deGrasse Tyson. Stop it. Um, But you were The Bachelor and, you know, people are always going to ask you about that and mention it. So do you bring it up at all in your show?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the elephant in the room. I, I need yeah. to acknowledge it. Um, but uh, yeah, with this show, I'll be very much focusing on the science and I'll be yes. maintaining that throughout. And I do make sure that I open to question time towards the end. I like having that engagement with the audience. Hmm. And I imagine there'll there'll likely be bachelor questions.
1: Maybe a couple. Yeah.
2: And so for me, um, what I'm going to try and do is I'm more than happy to stick around after the show and chat. And so- during the event, I want to try and keep it, and I'll say, can we just defer that to after the show, keep it to science questions during while the audience there for the science. And then yeah. afterwards, if people want to come up and ask me about The Bachelor, I'm more than happy to, to have a chat about it and, and ask, answer their questions. But yeah, I'm going to try and keep the show as focused on science as possible, mm-hmm. um, with obviously the caveat that uh, <laughs> if people are persistent. I, I may have to address some questions.
1: How do you think you're going with that balance? Like, do you think, because you're now in this position where people know who you are, so you get to talk about the thing that you love and that fascinates you and that you're passionate about and you get to teach people about it, but also it was going on The Bachelor that has now given you a much bigger platform than what you would have had 12 months ago. So is it ever going to get to the point where it it tips and you regret doing it, or are you glad you did it?
2: Um. I mean, look, that's probably something that uh, time will tell. I think, yeah, for me, um, there's enough things that I'm really passionate about that having a larger audience and a larger reach, I, I can't see the the downside. There's certainly been obviously some some negative and and some uh, parts that have, you know, been a bit more painful than others. Um, which that's life. You you take the good mm. with the bad. But I think at the end of the day, the fact that I have this amazing platform to be able to reach and hopefully inspire uh, young, the next generation of young scientists to continue following their passions. Um, and then other things about just making sure that there's plenty of awareness about other things I'm passionate about, such as uh, environmental sustainability and mental health awareness. Mm. I think there's, yeah, enough upsides and enough positive outcomes that, yeah, it's, it's going to ultimately be a, a positive experience altogether. All
1: I mean, in that sense, it's kind of a smart career move. Not not that I'm cynically saying you did it to, for your profile only. It sucks that it didn't work out for you romantically. But mm. like you say, you've got to take the positives that have come out of it. And that's you being the new hot Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> teaching lots of kids about cool science stuff.
2: Mm. Yeah. No, that's right. And it's, um, yeah, obviously no one's more devastated with the outcome than than myself um, mm. and Chelsea, but... Yeah, that's that's life, and that's dating and relationships. Sometimes they they don't work out, but you know, yeah, it's an experience, and you do try and find whatever positive things you can find from it. The experience mm-hmm. certainly helped me grow as a person, and yeah, now I've got the potential to do something hopefully really positive and impactful with it. So I think everyone, and I think uh, all, all all the women as well on the show were encouraged to find whatever silver lining they can from it, and I think mm. that's encouraged because you don't want to come out feeling that, that you wasted your time or, or anything like that. So I think it's really good that everyone finds something, and I think they all are trying to find their positive outcome from it as well.
1: Well, yeah, from teeth whitening sponsorship <laughs> to shows about space at Adelaide Fringe yes. we've crossed the spectrum.
0: Um, and so it looks like you're pretty busy in the next few months with the show. What else have you got going on there?
2: Um, so yeah, the main one obviously is, is fringe coming up, um, and that'll mm-hmm. be for the next week and a half. Um, I am still working full time, uh, mm-hmm. with, with my company doing data science and analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of, uh, I guess more entertainment, I've, I've got, uh, later at the end of March, the, um, Brisbane science festival, um, mm-hmm. which I'm there for a weekend and I'll be presenting my show there. And. Doing a really fun panel with uh, Dr. Carl. So that would be really great. And then uh, in. in, Love
1: Dr. Carl. Yeah.
2: So that's. uh, I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be. um, Yeah. It it sounds like it will be a lot of fun. And again, probably an opportunity to take take the piss out of
0: myself a little bit. Yeah. I was going to ask if Dr. Carl was a hero of yours. He is. And if you have any other astrophysics idols. Yeah. Dr. Carl, definitely. And
2: I haven't uh, had the. I haven't been fortunate enough to meet him yet, so I think I'm going to be a bit of a, you know, fanboying and a bit nervous <gasps> Ooh, when I meet him. Totally. Um, also, and what's that?
1: The Brisbane Science, Science Festival? Did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So
2: that's um, yeah, end of end of March. Um, I think it kicks off on the 26th, uh-huh. uh, and in in the middle of the year in Byron Bay, there's a, a space and astronomy uh, focused festival called Star Stuff, uh, and this is the third one they're they're doing. Um, so I'll be there. Uh, again, if you're just
1: a massive nerd, aren't you? I,
2: I am. I mean, I, 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 made no, I made no secret of this. People, <laughs> yeah. I still got that when people were surprised, and I was like, "I've just done a PhD in astrophysics." It wasn't a secret; like it was, <laughs> it was very well established that I was mm. a, a nerd. So,
1: so besides your nerdy scientific outreach presentation endeavors, what about on the dating front? You single? Because <sighs> um, I'm. I happen to be single,
0: and nerds are her type <laughs> in a very big way. <laughs> well,
1: look. How's dating life going, Astrobachi?
0: Yeah, look. Uh,
1: eyebrows, ra- eyebrows. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say, Rosie, we have we have one Boy. day overlap in Adelaide, so you we know, do. Yes. Well, will uh, I'll chalk aside some time for that, but um, in
1: fact, you know what? I'd like to, I'm going to get you to do right now.
2: Okay, here we okay, go. Okay,
1: look look directly into the camera. <laughs> okay, now say, repeat after me. Hi, everyone.
2: Hi, everyone.
1: I have some really exciting news for you.
2: I have some really exciting news for you.
1: <laughs> I've fallen in love again.
2: I've fallen in love again.
1: With Rosie Waterland's show, Kid Chameleon.
2: <laughs> With Rosie Waterland's show, Kid Chameleon.
1: Head to rosiewaterland.com for tickets right now.
2: Head to rosiewaterland.com for tickets right now.
1: I'm so glad I could share this exciting life event with you.
2: (laughs) I'm so glad I could share this exciting life event with you.
1: Love you, Rosie Waterland. Love you. (laughs)
2: Love you, Rosie Waterland. Love you.
1: Perfect. We'll edit that together yep. so that I'm cut out of it. <laughs> and I'll be sharing that across socials for the next few weeks. Thanks. <laughs> no, yeah. You, you. <laughs> sounded
0: really natural yeah, and put, spontaneous. You put the there. voice on there. Yeah.
1: You put the sexy voice mm-hmm. on. I gotta say, you two together, it's like velvet voice heaven.
0: Mm. <laughs> Fantastic. Belleville, I quite boy.
1: like it. It is. You do
0: have a great set of pipes. Yeah. Ah, well,
1: yeah, you. we've got that one day layover in Adelaide, so mm. I'll definitely come to your show that night. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: We'll both be there. We'll learn Fantastic. all about
1: space and things, and then people can come to my show for, oh, there's quite a bit of fart humour in mine. Yeah.
2: So. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll ease them in with uh, with a bit on alien farts, and then you can take it from there. And then
1: I'll just do rosy farts. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> I like
2: this. We've got a good dynamic
0: here. With the, Don't uh, you reckon? Flutters. Absolutely.
1: Oh, Jacob, what other questions do you have?
0: Oh, I would love to know, when you want to sort of impress someone or wow someone, what sort of fact or facts do you drop about space to just totally blow their mind?
1: Oh, yes, something cool that we can say at a dinner party that'll make us sound really impressive. Yes.
2: Um, Oh, geez, here we go. What's something really fascinating? Um, uh, I think this is really cool, but this is... I'm not sure if this will uh, will gel as much, but right. there's a moon. Okay. There's a moon of Saturn, and uh, it's it's basically got an icy shell because it's so far away from the sun. It's very cold, but underneath mm. it's got an ocean. And the reason it's really cool that I think is particularly mind blowing is that we've found evidence of hydr- hydrothermal vents. So black smokers, they they're called here on Earth. And it's Mm -hmm. those things deep underground on the seabed floor that kind of are spewing forth all this smoke and and nutrients and things like that. And Mm -hmm. the reason I find this fascinating is because on Earth, around these black smokers, we find life existing and thriving. And that's Mm -hmm. because you've got water, you've got an energy source, and you've got loads of nutrients and mineralogy. Mm -hmm. And what excites me is that on this random moon, orbiting Saturn is we've got the same set of ingredients, which to me says if life is just as simple as putting all the right ingredients in the right place and you get life, there could be life on this moon of Saturn. Wow. And what's it called? Enceladus.
1: Enceladus. Enceladus.
2: It's got a nice uh,
0: nice ring to it, actually. Yes. Sounds like
1: an album name by Radiohead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of your favorites. Um, wow, that is a cool one. That's,
2: well done. That's yes. cool. So there could be aliens already within our solar system and they just in have
0: our own solar system chilling on a moon.
1: Over on Enceladus.
0: Over mm-hmm. on okay.
1: Enceladus. Okay, so you've given us one cool fact about astrophysics we could drop at a dinner party. Can you give us one cool, random, crazy fact about being on The Bachelor <coughs> that we could drop um, at a dinner party?
2: Um, One... I'll tell you one thing people are always surprised by because they always ask, "How? what do you do with all the da- downtime? Um, yeah. You don't get nearly as much downtime as you'd think. So on average, I reckon a day for me was 15 or 16 hours. And Wouses. that's from getting up to, to crashing. Um, but the longest I had was a 20-hour day. I was up at uh, about 3.30 and I didn't finish filming till, yeah, after 11. So I'd say that... The, one of the more interesting
0: things is that is a particularly grueling schedule.
1: Oh my gosh. And
0: of those fifteen to sixteen hours, how frequently did you actually have a shirt on? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, o-
0: only when it was compulsory, really. I kind of <laughs> <laughs> tried to
2: Did you keep get it buffed
1: on. for the show? Did um, you have a bit of a glow up before you went
2: on? Um, no, I was I was. I think in. My, I was buff before. No, no, that's it. I caught myself because I realised what I was about to say. Um, no, look, I was. I was in uh, reasonable shape, I think, before the show, and mm. yeah, I basically because it was towards the end of my PhD. Um, as I started running out of time, I kind of let my fitness routine and diet kind of, you know, slide mm. a little bit. So I think the main thing that I did was just kind of in the lead up, just get back into all the routines that I really enjoy. So eating right and exercising regularly. And I did kind of drop quite a bit of weight. Mm. Um, So I think if anything, I just kind of leaned up more than anything. Um,
1: Knowing you were going to do a lot of shirtless water gazing,
0: uh, look, staring yeah. out a window, drinking tea—that
2: that might have been a, a small part of the motivation. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I tried to
0: think about more
2: so, you know, healthy and wealthy, right? So sure, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Are you
1: still in? Are you in touch with anyone from the show?
2: No, I'm not. Besides Oshi. Uh, besides, besides, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in touch with yeah, just a couple of um, the people that obviously I spent a long time with filming, um, and yeah. things like that. Obviously, you you make some really strong friendships there. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, in terms of, of any of the women, no, not in touch with any of them.
1: why, can I ask why did you just feel like that was just the best um, way to kind of go about it?
2: It was kind of uh, I guess a two prong thing. one was um, out of uh, out of respect for um, the relationship that obviously I was in afterwards.
0: Yeah, mm. of course.
2: Um, so one of the parts was that I wanted to, th- that was the relationship I wanted and yeah. I wanted to make sure that all, all my energy was there. There was, yeah, I, I wasn't in, in contact with, with anyone. Um, but the other is just, just the media, really. I thought if yeah. there's any kind of notion that I'm in touch with someone, even if it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, I guess um, platonic kind of discussions that would have been nice to have had and, and given people answers to questions they might have had. But yeah, mm, it's just the fact that the media would have turned it into something that it wasn't and I was having enough trouble mentally processing this breakup in a really public way that I just couldn't deal with another layer on top of that of the media just, you know, pulling me mm. apart and, and making up stories that, that didn't exist and... and Oh, yeah, it was it was kind of those two things really.
1: Were you um super I mean besides the fact that you you've gone through a breakup which is devastating itself in itself, were you like stressed about having to tell people because you were like oh people are going to take like when those relationships end after those shows, you know, within a few months or whatever, you mm. know the kind of media coverage it gets. And were you dreading the fact that you were going to have to face that, even though you genuinely gone through like quite an upsetting emotional breakup yeah. with someone you cared about? Mm. Yeah. Like knowing, oh, they're all just going to say I was in it for fame or I was in it for whatever. Or mm. yeah,
2: that must I have was, been so scary. I was, I was dreading it. I, um, I, I wrote um you know I put together my words and they were something that I, I gave a lot of thought to to make sure that I conveyed my feelings correctly and I actually got a friend to actually post it because I couldn't do it myself I was just oh, in, wow. uh, doing, mm. I was just in an absolute state I couldn't do it so a friend actually posted it for me and then I let them handle my uh, Instagram for a long long period of time because I didn't want to deal with comments I didn't want to deal with DMs and all that. Mm. Um and I'm really glad I did. I I I know I would have everyone says, you know, don't read it, don't read it. And you can do that ninety nine percent of the time, but you have that one percent, that one moment of weakness, you read something and you like completely capitulate. So yeah, for me, I yeah, I was really dreading it and it was something that I, I leaned on my friends and got them to help me by by posting and just taking care of my DMs and things like that until things could settle down and I could actually return to living a more normal life. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: And now your Instagram's just filled with nerdy science <laughs> show stuff, <laughs> like your Adelaide Fringe show. That's
0: it. That's it. So, so that's
1: exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to so, talk about life beyond Earth, aliens, planets, mm. all that stuff.
2: Correct, yeah. So it's – um. Yeah, I've I've given a similar show before. This one's uh, more polished, a bit more fun, a bit more engaging. What was
1: it last year? Something friend request? Uh,
2: In, interstellar friend request. Interstellar
1: yep. friend request last yeah, year. Mm, that's yeah,
2: that's it. So um, the last last year I did it at uh, Little Bang Brewery. So that's always yep. fun. You you combine uh, space and and beer. That's always a good good combination. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's. It's something I am I really like um, presenting. It's something that I try to make sure that I, I get the science across. So there is an element of learning to it, but it's done in a fun way, in a way that people don't feel disoriented by, I don't know, heavy use of jargon or moving through mm. things too quickly. It's done in a way that kind of builds gradually. So at the end, you're like, that was actually really cool. There was some cool stuff there. I, I learned, learned something and, and had some fun doing it. Do you mm-hmm. take your shirt off? Oh, look, we'll <laughs> depend, Rosie, I don't know. Are you coming to next Sunday's show?
1: Yeah, on Sunday night's show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I request shirt removal. Please. Please, Yeah, we'll
2: both be
0: there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
2: so how do we get tickets? Uh So you can get tickets on the uh, Adelaide Fringe website. Um, we'll
1: put all the details in our show notes too so people mm-hmm. can click through. And That's to it. the Brisbane Space, what is it, Brisbane Space? Festival. Space
0: Festival, um, Festival and the... Byron Bay Star Stuff. Star yes. Stuff, that's it, yeah. so I We'll think
1: link all the deets.
0: That will
2: be great, fantastic, thank you very much. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And um excited to hear you talk about alien fart.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: shirtless with beer.
0: <laughs> that's What a combination, right? I Can't know. Can't go wrong. I think uh, it's only fair, though, if you then do a sh- kid chameleon show shirtless as well in return <laughs> the following night. <laughs> yeah. And so if you extend your stay <laughs> That's match, it, I'll extend my day. and enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Tit for tat.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. This was awesome. Yeah, this was good fun. And I'm glad, to be honest, that it was 90% astrophysics, 10% bachelor, because yeah. that's what
2: we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, my pleasure. This was uh, this was really fun. I really enjoyed myself.
0: Can't wait to yeah. see the show. Yeah, you gave us side. a little taster there, and I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, when we say last night, we were filled with existential dread when <laughs> I was watching these videos and it's talking about dark matter and the universe expanding oh, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Didn't help
1: like, that we were <laughs> drinking, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. we were like, let's just stop researching yeah. and talk to him,
0: can,
2: yeah, I actually um, I actually took something out of the show because it had a it was a little too dark and I thought oh gee that's a, a bad thing bad note to finish on so I pulled right. something that was a little too existential dread. What was it? Um, it was about why we might not have seen aliens yet, and one of the um, theories is that there's uh, essentially an alien super predator that once civilizations reach a particular level of intelligence or advancement, yeah, the super predator. Eradicates them so that there's nothing that ever is a threat to them. So we're just so not, we're just not smart saying enough. yet.
1: Once we're smart enough to find them, they will kill us. So that's why we never find them. Well,
2: we're, we're not quite. Basically, once they think it's imagine if like on Earth there was like a a, a band of monkeys that started getting smarter, and mm. for some yeah. reason we decided, oh, once they're this smart, let's kill them so that they don't become a threat to us. They don't <gasps> surpass us. That's kind of one of the theories is they're, they're monitoring us and they're like, oh, they're still, you know, they're still kind of weak and, and simple and basic. We we're don't still to, stupid. We don't need to worry about them. But
1: we still watch shows like The Bachelor, <laughs> so we're, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: we're a while off. Yeah. So
0: okay. if, if anything, we're regressing.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I, pulled, I pulled that. It was a little uh, a little too dark, I thought. So I've got Ooh, some other theories cool, as well though. instead. But, yeah, that's one of the more dark and, and uh, unpleasant ones to think about
1: mm. By the way, I love that this episode of Just the Gist is dropping on Valentine's Day.
2: Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. I think mm-hmm. maybe it
1: speaks to us being soulmates, but we'll talk about that. one <laughs> now, in LA. Perfect.
2: I look All forward right. to Thank it. All right. Thank
1: you so much, Astro Bachi. Thank you. Thanks, Thank man.
2: you. Cheers, my pleasure. Bye. <laughs>
1: Listener.